Chapter 4 of Tom Swift and His War Tank by Victor Appleton. This LibriVice recording is in the public domain. Read by Nathan Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter 4 Queer Doings. There was a subdued air of activity about the Swift plant. Subdued owing to the fact that it was mostly confined to one building. The new large one, about which stretched a high and strong fence, made with tongue and groove boards so that no prying eyes might find a crack even through which to peer. In and out of the other buildings the workmen went as they pleased, though there were not many of them, for Tom and his father were devoting most of their time and energies to what was taking place in the big new structure. But here there was an entirely different procedure. Workmen went in and out, to be sure, but each time they emerged they were scrutinized carefully, and when they went in they had to exhibit their passes to a man on guard at the single entrance, and the passes were not scrutinized perfunctorily either. Near the building, about which there seemed to be an air of mystery, one day, a week after the events narrated in the opening chapters, strolled the giant Koku. Not far away, raking up a pile of refuse, was Eradicade Simpson, the age-colored man of all work. Eradicate approached nearer and nearer the entrance to the building, pursuing his task of gathering up leaves, dirt, and sticks with the teeth of his rake. Then Koku, who had been lounging on a bench in the shade of the tree, called, No more, Eradicate. No more what? asked the negro quickly. I didn't ask you for nothing yet. No more come here, said the giant pointing to the building and speaking English with an evident effort. Master say no one come too close. Huh, he didn't go for the mean me, exclaimed Raticade. I can go anywheres, I can. Not here. And Koku interposed his giant frame between the old man and the first step leading into the secret building. You no come in here. Who says so? Me. I say so. I on guard. I what you call special policeman. Detective. No let enemies in. Huh. You's a hot detective, yo is, snorted Eradicade. Anyhow, them orders don't mean me. I can go anywhere I can. Not here, said Koku firmly. Master Tom say, let nobody come near but workmen who have got writing paper. You no got. Nah, but I can get one, and I's gonna have it soon. I'll see Master Tom, that's what I will. I guess you ain't the only detective on the place. I can go on guard too. And Eradicade, dropping his rake, strolled away in his temper to seek the young inventor. Well, Rad, what is it? asked Tom as he met the colored man. The young inventor was on his way to the mysterious shop. What is troubling you? It's that there giant. He done says as how he's on guard, a detective, and I can't go nigh to that building to sweep up the refuse. Well, that's right, Rad. I prefer that you keep it that way. I'm doing some special work in there, and it's... Am it dangerous, Massa Tom? I ain't a scared. Anybody what can drive my mule boomerang. I know Eradicade, but 
This isn't so dangerous. It's just secret, and I don't want too many people about. You can go anywhere else except there. Koku is on guard. Then can I be Masatom? asked the colored man eagerly. I can guard and detect same as that low-down, good-for-nothing white trash Koku. Tom hesitated. I suppose I could get you a sort of officer's badge, he mused half aloud. That's what I want, eagerly exclaimed Eradicade. I ain't going to have that Koku, that coconut crowing over me. I can guard and detect as good as anybody. And the upshot of it was that Eradicade was given a badge and put on a special post far enough from Koku to keep the two from quarreling and where even if he failed in keeping a proper lookout, the old servant could do no harm by his oversight. It'll please him and it won't hurt us, said Tom to his father. Koku will keep out any prying persons. I suppose you're doing well to keep it a secret, Tom, said Mr. Swift. But it seems as if you might announce it soon. Perhaps we may, Dad, if all goes well. I've given her a partial shop tryout and she works well. But there is still plenty to do. Did I tell you about meeting Blakeson? Yes, and I can't understand why he should be in this vicinity. Do you think he's had any intimation of what you are doing? It's hard to say, and yet I would not be surprised. When Uncle Sam couldn't keep secret the fact of our first soldiers sailing for France, how can I expect to keep this secret? But they won't get any details until I'm ready. I'm sure of that. Koku is a good discourager, <laughs> said Mr. Swift with a chuckle. You couldn't have a better guard, Tom. No, and if I can keep him and Eradicate from trying to pull off rival detective stunts, or detecretive, as Rad calls it, I'll be all right. Now let's have another go at that carburetor. There's our weak point, for it's getting harder and harder all the while to get high-grade gasoline, and we'll have to come to alcohol of low proof or kerosene, I'm thinking. I wouldn't be surprised, Tom. Well, perhaps we can get up a new style of carburetor that will do the trick. Now look at this needle valve. I've given it a new turn. And father and son went into technical details connected with their latest invention. These were busy days at the Swift plant. Men came and went. Men with queerly shaped parcels frequently. And they were admitted to the big new building after first passing Eradicate and then Koku and it would be hard to say which guard was the more careful. Only, of course, Koku had the final decision, and more than one person was turned back after Eradicate had passed him, much to the disgust of the Negro. Pooh! That giant don't know a workman when he sees him, snorted Eradicate. He's so lazy his own self that he don't know a workman. If I sees a spy, Massa Tom, or a crook, I's gonna get him. Such a pop. I hope you do, Rad. We can't afford to let this secret get out, said the young inventor. It was one evening when taking a shortcut to his home that Mr. Nestor, the father of Mary Nestor, in whom Tom was more than ordinarily interested, passed not far from the big enclosure which was guarded on the factory side day and night. Inside, though out of sight and hidden by the high fence, were other guards. 
As Mr. Nestor passed along the fence, rather vaguely wondering why it was so high, tight, and strong, he felt the ground trembling beneath his feet. It rumbled and shook as though a distant train were passing, and yet there was none due now. For Mr. Nestor had just left one, and another would not arrive for an hour. "'That's queer,' mused Mary's father. If I didn't know to the contrary, I'd say that sounded like heavy guns being fired from a distance, or else blasting. It seems to come from the swift place, he went on. I wonder what they're up to in there. Suddenly, the rumbling became more pronounced, and mingled with it in the dusk of the evening were the shouts of men. Look out, someone cried. She's going for the fence. A second later, there was a cracking and straining of boards, and the fence near Mr. Nestor bulged out as though something big, powerful, and mighty were pressing it from the inner side. But the fence held, or else the pressure was removed, for the bulge went back into place, though some of the boards were splintered. "'Have to patch that up in the morning,' called another voice, and Mr. Nestor recognized it as that of Tom Swift." "'What queer doings are going on here?' mused Mary's father. "'Have they got a wild bull shut up in there, and is he trying to get out? "'Lucky for me, he didn't.' And he hurried on, the rumbling noise becoming fainter until it died away altogether. That night, after his supper and while reading the paper and smoking a cigar, Mr. Nestor spoke to his daughter. "'Mary, have you seen anything of Tom Swift lately?' Why, yes, father. He was over for a little while the other night, but he didn't stay long. Why do you ask? Oh, nothing special. I just came past his place and I heard some queer noises, that's all. He's up to more of his tricks, I guess. Has he enlisted yet? No. <laughs> Is he going to? I don't know. And Mary seemed a bit put out by the simple question. "'What do you mean by his tricks?' she asked, and a close observer might have thought she was anxious to get away from the subject of Tom's enlistment. "'Oh, like that one when he sent you something in a box labeled dynamite and gave us all a scare. You can't tell what Tom Swift is going to do next. He's up to something now, I'll wager, and I don't believe any good will come of it.' You didn't think so after he sent his wireless message and saved us from Earthquake Island, said Mary, smiling. Huh, well, that was different, snapped Mr. Nestor. This time I'm sure he's up to some nonsense. The idea of crashing down a fence. Why doesn't he enlist like the other chaps? Or sell liberty bonds like Ned Newton? And Mr. Nestor looked sharply at his daughter. Ned gave up a big salary as the Swift's financial man, a place he had held for a year to go back to the bank for less, just so he could help the government in the financial end of this war. Is Tom doing as much for his country? I'm sure I don't know, answered Mary, and soon after, with averted face, she left the room. Hmm, queer goings-on, mused Mr. Nestor. Tom Swift may be all right, but he's got an unbalanced streak in him that will bear looking out for. That's what I think. And having settled this matter, at least to his own satisfaction, Mr. Nestor resumed his smoking and reading.
A little later, the bell rang. There was a murmur of voices in the hall, and Mr. Nestor, half listening, heard a voice he knew. There's Tom Swift now, he exclaimed. I'm going to find out why he doesn't enlist. End of chapter 4